Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Now we're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 1 as we are in our Survey Says series again. We started last week back in, into it talking on the subject of the family because uh, this was one of the most requested things when I asked you what you wanted me to preach on. This was the third most requested thing. So last week we started, laid a foundation of connecting to our father in the faith, Abraham, and really realizing that how much um, we need to exhibit, to exercise, to be people of faith in our homes when it comes to our marriages, raising our children, because Abraham, the Lord said one thing about him, I know Abraham because he will command his children. In other words, he will train them up in the way they should go. And later on, we see that That did happen because God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this legacy of faith continued to be passed down for generations. Now, Abraham had a father, but it didn't start with Abraham's father. It started with him. So no matter what your upbringing was, maybe you weren't raised in church. Maybe you weren't raised uh, in a home of faith and, you know, it was a secure home, a loving home. That's why it can start with you. Amen? And you can change the direction of your family. And I thank God for that. Some things that we're going to talk about today, I want to lay just a little disclaimer to you this morning, um, that there will be no political correctness here today. Amen. That's, that's kind of refreshing, no, isn't it? I'm, I promise to be spiritually accurate, but not, I'm not going to bind myself to being politically correct because I don't care about it. Because if I'm going to be biblically accurate, it's actually impossible to be politically correct. And some things that we talk about here this morning are going to, they're going to be opposite of things that maybe you see on TV or, you know, see on the internet, <laughs> maybe what you've learned in school. God's wisdom is eternal, and when all of this stuff comes and goes, you know, magistrates and rulers, they kingdoms and conquerings, all this stuff has happened, but they come and go, but God's word stands forever. Yeah. Hmm? The council, Psalm, Psalms chapter 33, 11, the council of the Lord stands forever. And the plans of his heart to all generations, which means God has a plan for this generation. You know that? Turn to somebody and tell them God has a plan for you. He does. He has a plan for your family. He has a plan for your family. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Notice that God did not say, Let me make man in my own image. He said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here it says, let us, God said, this is the Hebrew word Elohim, which speaks of the plurality of God. You know that he is one, but he's also three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And uh, so this word shows that. It's not God one plus one plus one. It's one times one times one. All right? These three are present at the creation, the creation of the world, the creation of man. And he says, let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion. So we see something is about to happen. He speaks this pronouncement over man. And the word dominion is the right and the power to govern and control. This is what God set up from the very beginning for us the right and the power to govern and control. This is his first gift. So prior to this event, but God has already set things in motion 
for mankind. He created the world. I mean, it wasn't until day six that he created man. So some laws had been established already. The law of gravity, so that man wouldn't float off into space. That's a good one. That everything produces after its own kind. Uh, the seed that's in the fruit will produce more of the same fruit, right? Seed time and harvest. All of these laws were set, and then God created man and put him in this environment when he... Uh, they're, they're waiting for Adam and Eve to show up and activate them. All right, now go to Genesis chapter 1 for a moment, verse 1. It's the very first book, the very first chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is some amazing imagery, isn't it? Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God is a God of order. He is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace, right? So he spoke light, or we're going to say order, because in the Hebrew root, it actually is order. He spoke light into darkness or into chaos. So he separates the light from the darkness. God separates order from chaos. He set boundaries of land and water right? Water from water, put a sky between them. And then he prepared the earth to be a place for man to live. So he gives mankind dominion. So a part of the making of the human race was then to create order and control chaos. How many of you think we've done a great job? Verse 27 of Genesis 1, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So there's, from what we see from this passage, there's one species called man, two types, male and female. We're already going against society and just saying that, right? (laughs) Two types, male and female. So whatever God said to man, listen to me, whatever God said to man, he said to male and female, all right? And God blessed them. The same blessing was on them. They have equal ability to have dominion. If people would just read the Bibles, they'd stop trying to look for equality. They already have it. (laughs) Why are you begging for it? You already have it, right? This is what the Lord gave us. Amen. Verse 28 of Genesis 1. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Listen to this. He blessed them by pronouncing something over them. Be fruitful and multiply. What is he saying? Have babies. Have babies. Amen. I need a good amen. I mean, at least, come on. Men, I know that you're gonna, you can amen that. Uh, huh? Because you know what it takes to have a baby. Come on. All right. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So notice this. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue the earth, have dominion. Wow. This is God pronouncing this over man and then giving him the the ability through that to bring order to chaos. God invented the family. You know that it was his idea. So since he designed the family, then he knows how to make the family work, doesn't he? He knows how... The family can operate at its optimum. So then we need to ask ourselves a question then. I know I personally have to ask myself this question. Am I an agent of order in my house or am I an agent of chaos? What am I bringing into my home? 
What am I doing with God's gift to create order in my home? Many people are agents of chaos, but you can't be an agent of order, cannot have order in your life if you justify your chaos. Hmm? Don't justify, well, yeah, but you, I'm, the only reason I'm bringing chaos is because of what she did. Well, because of what he did. Really? Somewhere along the way, somebody has to be the Christian here. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hey, it just, it just, Adam already tried that, didn't he? Right? When they ate the fruit, what does Adam say when God shows up? It was her fault. The woman, oh, by the way, the one, he said the woman that you gave me. He's kind of blaming God here, isn't he? Yeah, I ate it, but it's because of her who you gave me. So really, you two are at fault. First cop out. And then so the Lord turns to the woman, and she says, the snake told me to do it. Everybody's just passing the buck, right, for the chaos. And I told our 9 30 service, it's kind of interesting, though, that though she ate the fruit first, and then she gave to her husband, Adam, and then he ate. But when you get to the New Testament, it blames Adam solely. Where's the equality now? Right? Wait, how come she's not getting credit for this? By one man's sin, death came to all. No, 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 no. It wasn't that, but it was because... Sin nature is passed down from the father, not the mother. She's a carrier of it, but not one it's passed down from. Adam is told. Adam is told by God. Well, let's look at this. Look at chapter 2 of Genesis. Are you what guys with me still? Yes. All right. Verse 7. Adam 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 9, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jump down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, watch, to do what? Tend and to keep it. That's not the same thing. To tend and to keep it. The word keep means to guard, to protect, and to beware. Wait a second. This is paradise. Adam is living in tropical paradise. It's, it's so free that he's naked. Right? I mean, there's, there's no sin in the world. He's bathed. He's clothed in the glory of God. That's all he needs. He's got all these trees he can freely eat from. I mean, life is good here. Why would God tell him, you need to guard this garden? You need to protect this garden because there was a thief there. There's a thief in that garden. And the, the thief's goal is to take the garden away from you, Adam. The thief's goal is to wreck my plan and purpose in this world. So you're going to have to guard it. Another thing I need to ask myself then, not only am I an agent of chaos or am I an agent of order, am I guarding my house? My garden, my garden, which is my house. We have a responsibility from God to do this. Our gardens, as I said, are our homes, and and he wants fruit to be born out of our homes. 
But you have to guard your heart first in order to guard your home. Hmm? Guard your heart or keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues or the boundaries of life. Now go to Genesis 2.16. The Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. That's good. You know what he said? It doesn't cost you anything. It's my gift to you. Every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. I think this is a fair shake that God's given Adam. Don't you? Yeah. Is this fair? You get everything for free. I get one tree. Don't eat it. You'll die. All right? This is my tree. You get everything else, and it's free. That's pretty generous. It's extremely generous. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Having that kind of setup, there should be no question at all. I'm, no, about that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Never, ever, ever. Hmm? He says, in dying, you shall die. This is talking about two types of death. You know, the scripture teaches us that a thousand years is as one day to God and a day is as a thousand years. Isn't that right? Well, isn't it interesting that the day that they did eat of that, I mean, the candle inside of Adam and Eve went out. They went spiritually dark. So there was that spiritual death that took place. But they didn't physically die yet. But Adam lived to be 930 years old. So... In the day, if it's as a thousand years as one day, Adam died in the day that he ate of that fruit, both spiritually and physically. Very interesting. He gave men the right to dominion, and he also gave man the right to choose freely. And in that choice, there would be a consequence. Verse 18 of Genesis 2, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will... I will make a helper comparable to him. So this is the first time in all the things that God created that we see that something is not good. Everything he, he, he created, he said, this is good. It's good. It's good. And then he creates man and said, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good that man should be alone. Isn't it interesting that God spent every day with Adam? There was a certain time of day where they would meet. The scripture says, it says, and the voice of God would come walking in the garden. I don't know what that's like, the voice walking. That's kind of cool sounding, but a bit mysterious. And they would walk together in the cool of the evening. And as God is doing this, he's, he's observing something about Adam. And he realizes that there's something Adam needs that God himself cannot fulfill. It's not good that man should be alone. He's not alone. God, you're with him every day. Yeah, but he needs somebody comparable to him. And in the original Hebrew, this verse says, I will, this is so cool, I will make someone to help Adam like he's helping me. I will make for Adam someone to help him like he's helping me. And so God put him in a deep sleep, didn't he? Look at verse 21 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, Lord, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Something like, that's what I would have said. Whoa, man! And that's why she was called woman from that day forward, because that was his response. This is now a bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. So God took a rib. Notice this. 
This is where we see the equality, okay? He took a rib from his side, not from his head, right? Where she would lord over him and not a bone from his foot so that he would lord over her. He took from his side so they could walk together, side by side in this grace of life. That's beautiful, isn't it? You have to guard. You have to guard your garden. You have to guard it. You've been given the right to create, to have dominion, to subdue, huh? to leave a legacy, this partnership to build a life, but you have to guard it. Wow. And then Adam responded by saying, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there's something that happens when a man and woman come together that God begins to push you together in that oneness. Now we're talking about one flesh. The two, you don't become one spirit when you're married. You're only one spirit with God, right? But you, you become one flesh, meaning kind of leads to having babies when you become one flesh. Again, the moment that you say I do, God begins to push you together in your union. And so God pushes us toward each other. And sometimes that can be a frustration, but he's relentless to do it because he knows how this works and he has a plan for you and he designed your marriage to be at a place of oneness. Why? Well, there's all kinds of things that are coming against you. I mean, the, mar- the institution of marriage has been under attack for many, many years. Our, our generation is not the exception to the rule. This is not a new thing. It's just maybe emphasized in different ways. But still, it's been under attack because the enemy hates any plan, any design, any institution that God has put together. Hmm? The Lord needs you to, to, be, have a, uh, to become one because as you have children, they need to see the oneness in you because they are as beautiful and perfect as they are, that little darling in your house. They quickly discover the understanding of divide and conquer. And if you're not careful, they'll keep you playing the role of mom and dad instead of husband and wife. Hmm? And that little blessing will divide and conquer you and bring chaos. Hmm? And they'll test you. Come on, moms and dads, talk to me. They'll test you on just how together you are on this deal. Mom said no. Well, I'll go ask dad. Dad, you better say no if she said no. Hmm? Mom, you better say no if he said no. All right? Because they're smart. These kiddos are smart. But don't forget, they're stupid too. I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean in, a, in a mature way. I, I, I know your kids are the greatest in the world. Please, I'm, I'm just talking about they're immature, all right? They're too dumb and inexperienced to make the right kind of decisions. They're not thinking down the road. They're thinking about how can I get a piece of candy in this hand as soon as possible, right? I mean, that's, they're, they're thinking is not, they're not thinking for the good of your family. Hmm? Come on, help me out here this morning. I'm having a little bit of fun with you. Our children had a very clear understanding when, when Heather and I were raising them, and, and we made sure to tell them we were here before you were here. We were married before you came on the scene. So what you have to say is secondary to what we have to say, and you're not going to separate that, all right? 
if mom says no, then you can know it's just as good as dad saying no too, and, and vice versa. So we are together, and now when you move out and you start your own life, praise God, we'll be excited too because we won't be paying your bills anymore. So, so. <laughs> but there's an enormous attack on the, on the family as God created it, you know? There's just this constant, well, that's an old husband and wife, the nuclear family. It's old-fashioned. It's out of date. It's not relevant anymore. It's dead and gone. It's not just a man and a woman. So we need to obliterate that belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. But here's the thing. You can obliterate it, but still men and women are still going to come together. It's, that's why it's stupid to try to destroy something that is natural to happen. Right? Going to be in relationships. Because we are in this same class, and because everything produces after its own kind, we're drawn to each other. Matthew 19, let's finish with this. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. The Pharisees came to him, they're talking to Jesus, testing him, surprise, saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? That's how they talk, in case you're wondering. It's very annoying. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them what? Let's let that set in for a second. How, how did he make them? All right. That's what I'm saying. You're not going to be politically correct if you're going to be biblically accurate. This is, this is the way it is right here. Simple. Verse 5. And, and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one Flesh, look, verse 6. Therefore, so then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let not man separate. Now, I want you to understand, he's talking to the Pharisees. They're the keepers of the law. And so Jesus will answer them under the context of the law of Moses. And so I, I want to say that because there's been a lot of stuff brought out of the New Testament, especially Jesus' teaching on marriage and divorce and, and try to apply it to where we live today. And it doesn't work like that because much of what Jesus taught was under the law. We're, we're not under the law, all right? So we need to get the right kind of scripture that actually applies to us. And that's where we would go to the Apostle Paul to teach us those practical things, all right? Now, there are things that Jesus taught that are universal for all of us. But Jesus did say, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, all right? So there are things that only applied. Okay, for just a moment, just to... Maybe help clear some things up. Everybody hold up your right hand if you have one. Everybody have one? Okay. Has that right hand ever offended you or done something it shouldn't do? Oh, come on. Hmm? Well, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to apply his teaching, you should have cut it off. Aren't you grateful that that doesn't apply to you today? Come on. That's what I'm talking about. There are things that were under the context of the law. Amen. But now I want you to notice what Jesus says. Jesus does not say who God has joined together. He says what God has joined together. So Jesus is talking about the institution of marriage, the what that God has joined together. There's an attack even on that institution in Christ's day. You see what I'm talking about? This has been an age-old thing. Now, please understand, I need to give another disclaimer, that I don't want you here today and say, ooh, since it's not who, it's what, then Pastor Eric just gave me a way out of my marriage. No, I did not. Okay, I hope you're more mature than that. Uh, we, we know that 
Not every couple that gets married was by God's plan. Can we be honest enough about that? Or Okay, I'll just stand up here and say it by myself. Yeah, you're right, Eric. Okay, if you're, if you're together, though, listen to me, stay together. Maybe it wasn't the best kind of situation, but if you got married, then stay married for Pete's sake. And for God's sake and for your sake, whoever Pete may be in your life, do whatever it takes to stay together because we have enough things fighting against us. God has a plan for your family, all right? Oh, yeah, all right. One last scripture. This is the second last scripture, but it really is the last one. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father and I will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that beautiful? We'll make our home with him. So the Lord, if you're a child of God here today, then you know that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have made their home with your home. That's good to know. And they continue to be almighty God even in your house. I said, they continue to be almighty God. even in your house. He is Lord When's the last time you thought about your spare tire? It's not something that's on your mind every day. It's like gravity, right? You don't even think, you don't think about gravity and the miracle that it is. But when's the last time you thought about your spare tire? You don't ever think about it until you need it. And then kind of a panic sets in. Do I even have a spare tire? And if, it, if I do, where is it? Is it under the car? Is it in the trunk? Is it... Where is it? And, and if it is in there, does it have air in it? Right? Those are all the things that go through your mind. And, and you're so unprepared for something you absolutely should be prepared for. Yeah. Right? Because it's not something that you need on a daily basis. Therefore, it's not something you're thinking about until the flat. And then it's of utmost importance. God is not a spare tire in your life. Amen. Hmm? Don't go to him just because things get bad. Okay, Lord, come on out of the trunk. We need you. We're in some crisis here. Huh? No, he is Lord. He's Lord of your home. He's Lord of your marriage. All right? I want to give you just some things to take into your home this week. Number one, train yourself to overlook petty faults in your spouse and in your children. Train yourself to overlook petty thoughts, uh, petty faults and petty thoughts in your spouse and in your children. Listen, nobody's even perfect, not even you. Imagine that. And your spouse did not marry you to be their teacher. Is that how that read? Yeah, that's exactly how it read. You can save yourself a lot of trouble there. Because here's the thing. All kinds of emotional energy gets spent on things that don't stinking matter. But then when a major issue actually does arise, you can't handle it. Because you've made an issue out of everything. Grow up. There are major issues. Sometimes there's confrontation. Those things need to be dealt with. But you know what? This Bible helps you in that. A soft answer turns away wrath. When the heat is on, the screaming starts. As I said earlier, one of you needs to be the Christian. Come on. Soft answer. Not yelling back, not ignoring the other, not running, not (laughs) R-U-N-N-O-F-T. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) If you don't let the Word of God have entrance in those moments, then peace is going to be a long way off. And, and also, number two, ask yourself, is this really worth getting upset about? Is it really worth it? Amen. What does this do? What does this 
where does this, what does this look like? Communicating together. Communicating with one another is talking to one another, not at one another. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that one more time. That was so good. Yeah. Communicating with one another, is, one another is talking to one another, not at yeah. one another. Yeah. Amen. And you have to fight for time together. I know you're busy. We're all busy. Got this thing to go to, this recital, this sporting event, that meeting. Sometimes you just got to put those things aside for the good of the family, for the good of the marriage. And lastly, never allow anger to gain dominance in your relationship. Never allow anger to gain dominance in your relationship. Now, anger is in us, right? Because God did put it in us. Anger is a good emotion. It is a godly emotion, but it has to be aimed at the right thing. Be angry and do not sin. Why do I do that? You've got to be angry at the right thing. Nor give place to the devil. Your anger is not toward your spouse. Your anger is not toward your children. It is toward your real enemy, which is the devil. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. Remember who your real enemy is. It's not the one you're sleeping with. Hmm? It's not the one you're married to. Be angry and do not sin. And if you'll stay angry at the right thing, at evil, guess what? Then you'll have peace. You'll have good things. Because the root of anger, most of the time, is a hurt. Hmm? It's a hurt in your life. And anger always, in the misguided anger is always in the past. (laughs) Because the only place that you can get hurt from is there. And if you allow anger to dominate your life, then you will... Live in nothing but what was yesterday. If you allow your mind to be dominated by anger, then you're going into a future of more anger. Amen. You'd be going forward in a future, but your eyes looking back. Okay? I realize that you've had some things happen to you. you I don't want to know everything that's happened to you. And I I may be abused or uh, just wrong and rejected. But here's the thing. You are going into a future. You might as well set yourself up for success. And, and the greatest thing that you can do, and you might be asking, well, what am I supposed to do about it? You need to forgive them. Amen. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I know. But that is how you do it. Amen. Forgiveness is not, they don't earn it. Forgive. It is a gift. You decide you're going to gift forgiveness, regardless of what has happened to you. And why is this important? So that you will be free of them. Because yeah. hmm? as long as you're harboring it, you're chained to them. And who's really hurting in, the, in this matter anyway? And there's a good chance that they're probably not going to beg for your forgiveness. That's why you just need to give it to them. So that you can go on, live your life, and allow God to give you the life that he has for you. Right. Now, let me say this. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you have to like them and be their best friend. It just means you're free from them. They don't control your life. So you maintain oneness in your relationship. You're going to have to take the focus off of me and put it on us and ours. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together today with your people, Lord. Thank you for these families, these marriages that are represented here in this room. And God, I pray for the peace of Almighty God to guard their homes, to guard their hearts, to guard their minds, to guard their families. I I pray, God, that love would abound because where love is, it covers a multitude of sins. Love does not rejoice 
in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things and love endures all things. And the greatest thing, love never fails. So I thank you right now for the love of God abounding in these homes. And that, Lord, where there has been hurt, where there has been injustice, where there has been wrong, I pray now by your spirit that you would restore, you would heal, you would be their present help right now. Right now, you are a very present help. You designed this. This is your institution. This is your design. This is your purpose. So, Lord, we take this moment. I want you right now, just, just this morning, just submit to him. Say, Lord, you designed this. I want to know how to do it your way. Show me, God. I don't want to do anything outside of your will and purpose for my family. Help me, Lord, in my relationship with my spouse. Help me in raising my kids. Help me, Father God, to be an agent of order and not of chaos. And if you need to forgive someone, if it's a spouse, maybe even a child, maybe even yourself or your parents, whatever it may be, take this moment right now and choose. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can choose forgiveness and still not feel like you forgave them. Choose anyway. Your feelings will line up with your choice eventually. All right? You initially just need to make the choice and let it go so that you can go into your future (laughs) with all of the potential that God has for you. All right? Give that gift right now. And let's not, let's not think too highly of ourselves and forget that God forgave us when we absolutely did not deserve it. And so the scripture says, as he has forgiven us, so forgive others. Amen. God's not going to hold you to a standard that he's not willing to hold himself. All right? He has forgiven us of all of our sins and does not hold them against us. So Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for helping Right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm thinking that things are changing right now in these homes. Things are changing. Thank you, Lord, that you would breathe upon these homes with your spirit. Breathe into these marriages. Joy and celebration. Love and laughter. Life and peace in Jesus' name. And we bless you. And thank you for what you've taught us today. Thank you for the truths of your word that they set us free in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.